This weekend, two Jets legends were inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Today, we celebrate the legacies of Joe Klecko and Darrell Rivas on Locked On Jets. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, this is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Monday, August 7th, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from ganggreennation.com. Thanking you so much for making the show your first listener, first watch every day. Subscribe to this podcast for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so that you'll get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you enjoy the show and are listening on a podcast source, give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, please give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help us out and help other Jets fans find the show. Today's episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash NFL or enter promo code LOCKEDONNFL for a white tech hat with any order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Well, over the weekend, two Jets were inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We're going to talk about them today. Joe Klecko and Darrell Rivas. A very exciting weekend for New York Jets fans. Of course, the Jets opened up the preseason on Thursday night, which was less than exciting, if, if I'm going to be honest with you. No Aaron Rodgers in that game, none of the good players. And frankly, in the fourth quarter of that game, it really did not seem like the Jets were that interested. They, you know, they they seemed very lackadaisical in their play calling. It seemed like they just kind of wanted to get out of town. And if you, you may remember, that because it was the cause of a million obvious jokes, early in the fourth quarter, the lights went out at the stadium, which you know, led every comedian out there to come up with the Aaron Rodgers is back in darkness jokes. I was surprised they did not call the game there. But I think the, that game has kind of become one of the lowlights of Hall of Fame weekend. The highlight is the induction ceremony. And we saw two New York Jets enter the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And in some ways kind of poetic because in the post-Namath Maynard era, and that was the greatest era of franchise history when the Jets were contending in the AFL. And of course, they won their only Super Bowl back in Super Bowl three over five decades ago. That's the number one era. Since then, I think there have been two really good eras of Jets football. And both eras are kind of represented in this year's Hall of Fame class. You had the sack exchange era of the 80s where Joe Klecko was the best player. And then it was a two-year run, but the Jets went to -to back-to-back AFC championship games, Rex Ryan's first two years, and Darrell Rivas Rivas was the best player on those teams. So kind of poetic, kind of a kaleidoscope of Jets history if you've been paying attention the last few days. Now, longtime listeners know this. My dad is the biggest Jets fan I know. I mean, he goes back decades. And he was a season ticket holder back in the days they were at Chase Stadium. And, you know, I speak with him pretty frequently. But it's kind of become an annual tradition late July, early August. Every single year, it's around the time of the Hall of Fame ceremony. He calls me up and goes, hey, you have that podcast. You have that website. Why aren't you doing anything to get Joe Klecko into the Hall of Fame? Joe Klecko should be in the Hall of Fame. And my response has always been, Dad, I agree with you, but I don't, I don't know who you think I'm influencing here. I mean, I probably influence my own opinion. I don't know if I'm, and sometimes I'm not even sure I convince myself of what I'm saying. I don't know that I can really convince anybody else, even though I completely agree with you that Joe Klecko should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, Dad is finally happy ecstatic that one of his favorite players of all time made the hall of fame and beyond any of this 
the Jets have caught a lot of guys who are Hall of Famers, but at the end of their careers. So there are lots of guys who you know maybe had a season or two with the Jets after their primes, and these guys ended up in the Hall of Fame. So you think back when these guys were inducted, but they're not really in the Hall of Fame for what they did as Jets. I mean, you could go to Ronnie Lott. You could go to Art Monk, LaDainian Tomlinson, Jason Taylor, Brett Favre. I mean, the list just goes on and on of these guys who kind of had a cup of coffee with the Jets at the end of, at the, end of their career. Five years after he retires, Aaron Rodgers will be another one of them. I mean, even Bill Parcells, who did a great job with the Jets in his three years here, I don't think the Jets are really the stop in his career anybody remembers. So I said this a couple of years ago when Kevin Mawai got in. It's great to like have real – not I mean, anybody who plays for the Jets is a real Jet, but it's great to have somebody inducted into the Hall of Fame. Maybe, maybe real Jet is not the right term, but somebody who's inducted in the Hall of Fame because of what they did as a member of the New York Jets. And for both these guys, that's true. Yes, um, Klecko had a season at the end of his career with the Indianapolis Colts, and yes, Rivas had – you know, the one season in Tampa Bay, the season we don't talk about in New England when he won the Super Bowl, and then a couple of games with Kansas City after he left the Jets his second stint. But a chance to really learn, and I think as much as anything, a chance to really learn about the franchise's history this weekend. And I hope you enjoyed the speeches. I think, and I wrote an article about this on my website, gangreennation.com, so you can check this out. I think that more than anything, more than any other major sport, football lacks the infrastructure for people to truly appreciate its history. And a lot of this is because we look at statistics and that's just true. That's true across sports. It's true of baseball. It's true of basketball, true to lesser extent of hockey, but I think it's still there. And while stats in these sports don't always paint the most accurate representation, more or less they're comparable across eras. They can at least put you in the ballpark of who was relevant at any given point in time. And football is not that way. I mean, football the game has changed so much from era to era. The game that was played when the NFL was first founded, it resembles nothing like what you see today. It was a completely different game. The strategies were different. The player roles were different. I mean, back, back when the NFL first started, we were in an era where players never left the field. You played every snap offense, defense, or special teams. If, you, you, uh, if your team gave up the ball, you just found a spot on the defense to play. And things have changed so dramatically through the history that – Statistics don't really add up era versus era. You can't compare the numbers of a quarterback today versus the numbers of a quarterback even 30 years ago because the rules have changed, the strategy has changed. Really, the only thing you can use statistics to compare are players from era one era against his contemporaries. So you could compare Tom Brady to Peyton Manning, but you can't really, at least by the numbers, compare Tom Brady to Johnny Unitas or Joe Montana. And in other areas... Statistics aren't even relevant because there are certain positions where you can't even really have us. You don't even really have a statistic like offensive linemen. And that was true of defensive linemen pre-1982 because that was the year sacks first became an official stat. And I think that's one of the reasons Klecko struggled to get into the Hall of Fame because a lot of his production was pre Klecko's career kind of spanned both eras. He entered the NFL in the 70s. And he played after 1982, but some of his best seasons were before the sack became an official stat. And fortunately, the great website sportsreference.com, and they have they have pro football reference, they have baseball reference, they have, you know, pretty, pretty much they have a website for every sport out there. They went back a few years ago and were able to compile sacks going back to 1960. And that, I mean, that more than tripled Klecko's sack total for his career. And it included the, his iconic 1981 season where he had over 20 sacks. So it's a case where 
history where people using modern technologies were kind of able to backfill statistics that did not exist. And I think that that played a big role in Joe Klecko entering the Hall of Fame. He deserved to be in. This was a man who made the Pro Bowl at three different positions, uh, defensive end, at defensive tackle, and at nose tackle. I mean, think about that. The guy had three different defensive line spots. I mean, can you imagine a guy making the Pro Bowl at, at defensive end, defensive tackle, and then I guess nose tackle is technically a defensive tackle, but it's a different role where you're essentially your job is to kind of eat up blockers. That's amazing, isn't it? And Joe Klecko went far too long without getting the recognition he deserved. It was on, it's unfortunate it took this long, but I'm glad it happened because my concern was that if it did not happen soon, soon there wouldn't be a lot of people left who remembered seeing Joe Klecko play because it was so long ago. I mean, he retired in the late 80s. So there aren't a lot of people who I, I wasn't around to see Joe Klecko play. So it, it really kind of felt like it was a situation where it was now or never for Joe Klecko. It's long overdue. He's in. My dad's thrilled. Now, my dad won't, my dad will call me, but he won't call me complaining that I'm not doing enough to get Joe Klecko in the Hall of Fame. And the Jet, I hope if you're a Jets fan this weekend, you took a chance, you took the chance to learn a little bit more about one of the great players in franchise history. Now, head here on the Lockdown Jets podcast, we'll continue our discussion of the Jets who were just inducted into the Hall of Fame. I'll give you some thoughts on Darrell Rivas. That was, this was a guy I did play, one of the greatest players I've ever seen in a Jets uniform. I'll offer my reflections continuing this Monday edition of the Locked On Jets podcast. Today's episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good. Bird Dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, constricting cotton. Bird Dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so that you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. And Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Tell you, I may not be the most fashionable person out there, but Bird Dogs, I think they could even make me look good. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNFL or enter promo code LockedOnNFL for a free white tech hat with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNFL or promo code LockedOnNFL for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen or first watch every day. Big shout out to you every day. This is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. We have new episodes each day, Monday through Friday through the week. And send in your mailbag questions. We're going to do an early mailbag this week because normally our mailbag shows on Wednesday. But we're going to want to recap the premiere of Hard Knocks on Wednesday. Hard Knocks kicks off on third, uh, Tuesday night on HBO and the Max app. So we're going to move our mailbag up to Tuesday this week. So that way we can save Wednesday for Hard Knocks recap. So if you have a mailbag question, send them in. But today we're talking Jets history. We're talking the Hall of Fame. And now I want to talk about Darrell Rivas. And when I think about the greatest players I've ever seen wear the Jets uniform, uh, Curtis Martin's probably got to be number one. Rivas might be number two. Rivas, in his prime, was the best corner in the NFL. And even though I don't think they enforce the rules for past defenders quite as strictly as they do today back in Rivas's era, it was pretty strict. I mean, that was a day and age in the NFL where there were not a lot of shutdown corners. It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of similar to today. I think today they're a little bit stricter, but that was right around the era where they were really starting to crack down. And Rivas did it. Rivas was like the one guy you could match up against. It did not matter who the other receiver was. He would shut him down. I mean, there was a playoff game the Jets played in 2010 against the Indianapolis Colts. 
Reggie Wayne had one catch for one yard. And his quote after the game was, I was irrelevant. At the 2009 season, in which Rebus was robbed of Defensive Player of the Year. If you ever want to get me angry, start trying to defend the, the voters giving Charles Woodson the Defensive Player of the Year award in 2009 over Rebus. When Rebus shut down the likes of Andre Johnson and Randy Moss and Steve Smith. I mean, he, he took pretty much every great receiver in the NFL that year. He took them out of play and made them completely irrelevant to their game. And the other crazy part about that season was that Rebus played the other team's number one receiver. He matched up against the other team's number one receiver two-thirds of the time. It was just around 66.7%. And that number actually doesn't tell the whole story because and Rex Ryan said this at the time. The Jets only had Rebus follow the other team's best receiver if they thought it was an elite receiver. So if you faced a team that didn't really have a great receiver, Rebus was just going to play one side of the field, you know, whatever. It was only when the other team had a dominant receiver that Rebus followed him around. So the other teams had the greatest receivers in the league. Rebus was on them practically every play, and he shut them down. You know, in the NFL, if you get a reputation as a shutdown corner, teams just don't throw the ball at you. Teams just look to the other side of the field. Rebus did not quite have the reputation, even though his play justified it in that 2009 space, he did not quite have the reputation across the league. 2008, his second season, was really when he became the best corner in the NFL, in my opinion, but nobody really noticed it until Rex Ryan arrived and the Jets started getting attention and Rex Ryan started talking up, you know, the defense and the Jets became one of the, the highest profile teams in the league. So in 2009 teams were still throwing at Rivas. And I think that's one of those things where it can kind of become a self-fulfilling prophecy because at that point in time, the guy who was kind of viewed as the number two corner in the league, Nandi Asamoah, who was with the then Oakland Raiders, he, nobody ever really threw at him. And part of it was the Raiders were so bad that it's like, why would you go after this guy when nobody else can cover anybody on, on your team? And Asamoah awesome ended up signing with the Philadelphia Eagles in 2011 after the Jets tried to sign him out, ironically. And he just got torched. And maybe it was just a case he was too old. Maybe he actually was that great with the Raiders. But sometimes it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, how much of Asamoah's success with the Raiders was just teams were afraid to throw at him because of his reputation? Teams went after Rebus in 2009. And he still dominated. And he led the league in passes defense that year. It was a dominant season. The Jets also did something that's not that common in the NFL. Essentially what they do is they'd have Rebus play one-on-one against the other team's rest receiver. Essentially, Rebus was in man coverage and everybody else was in zone coverage. So what they did was like if the best receiver went off to the left side of the field, Rebus followed him. And then the Jets just loaded the right side of the field with defenders because they knew Rebus would shut down whoever he was on. And they just clogged, used, used defenders to clog passing lanes on the other side of the field. So it's kind of known as combo coverage. That's a combination of man and zone. Jets, Rivas gave them such unbelievable flexibility to do that. Now, I know people aren't that thrilled with Rivas. I mean, it, Jets fans, Jets have a weird, Jets fans have a weird relationship with Rivas, in part because he held out multiple times. He was notoriously difficult when it came to his contracts. But I mean, that's the NFL. That's the NFL of this era. I, I, I never got. I never get mad at a player for seeking more money. Rebus deserved to be the highest paid player in the league, and you know, obviously, it was a bad. It obviously, it was a tough relationship. It led to a trade. The owner probably had a lot to do with that. The owner, you know, I think the owner made some mistakes along the way. He went to Tampa Bay, then he got cut off by Tampa Bay after one year. Went to New England. Jets weren't really interested in bringing him back, so he went to New England. Won the Super. That complicates things as always because, you know, the Patriots were the Jets' biggest rival at that point in time. But then Rebus came back in 2015, put together a Pro Bowl season, and then 2016, he kind of went into a steep decline. But I, I just look back on those teams, and especially the two teams that Rex Ryan coached that almost went to the Super Bowl. 
Rivas was such a dominant player. I mean, there aren't a lot of corners that force the other team to a, to change its approach. And part of this, Rex deserves a lot of credit for utilizing Rivas in this way because a lot of coaches aren't smart enough to build their defense around a, a, trans, a transformational corner the way Rivas was. The other thing about Rivas, aside from like the end, now the end of his career, you know, he kind of liked to avoid contact, but through much of his career, this was a guy who was an excellent tackler. I mean, he did, he was, there was a stretch there. It may have been like a four to five year stretch where he was like the perfect corner because he, he played press coverage as well as anybody ever has. I mean, he, if you, if he was one-on-one -on, -one on the outside with you and he was playing press, he would just pin you to the sideline. He'd just shove you out of bounds and the play was over before it started. But he was also really smart. He could read the plays from off coverage. He played zone really well, and he tackled. He did it all. And you know, I I think you could say that Rebus is in the discussion. I don't know if he's the greatest corner of all time. He's in the discussion with Richard Sherman. You know, maybe Patrick Peterson for the greatest corner of his era because when he was in his prime, and maybe his prime only lasted you know six seven years, but when he he was in his prime. I mean, he was impossible to complete a pass against. It was one of the great draft picks in Jets history. The Jets traded up back in 2007 to get him. And it's a move that the team will never regret. And, you know, with a few plays here or there, we may be remembering Revis as the great, the best player on the second Jets Super Bowl team. Unfortunately, a few bad breaks in the AFC, in a couple of AFC championship games. That's how, that's, you know, that's, that's how close we were, but Darrell Revis deserves to be in the hall of fame. And, you know, really, a weekend as a Jets fan, I think you can go back and reflect upon. And remember, you know, if you're if you're old enough to remember Joe Klecko, I'd love to hear your memories. My dad's told me plenty of them. I can, I remember Darrell Rivas, and really, it's really I just think it's an amazing thing that these two guys went into the Hall of Fame together. Now, here on the Lockdown Jets podcast, we'll continue our Monday episode, give you some thoughts on which Jet has the best chance among the current players of eventually making the Hall of Fame. Today's episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Folks, we've almost made it. We're almost there. Football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you a chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. So you pick the Jets, get bonus bets every time they win. So not only do you get the joy of seeing the Jets win, get bonus bets. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get these bonus bets for every victory. And you can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, overs, un over-unders, and more. I'm not sure that you can pick which current Jet has the best chance of getting the Hall of Fame, but you can do practically anything else. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. This is the LockedOn Jets podcast here on this Monday. We're talking about Hall of Fame weekend. The Jets played their first preseason game Thursday night. Lots of guys who aren't really going to be on the team decided that one. And we talked about that back on Friday. This weekend was really about the players who were inducted and two great jets, uh, Joe Klecko and Darrell Rebus. And that leads you to naturally think what are the, which current jet members of the jets could make the hall of fame. Now, look, we know Aaron Rodgers is going in uh, that, that one's a pretty obvious one. And again, he'll probably be a player who, you know, we don't, he's not in, I mean, he obviously could enhance his resume. If he has a big season or two, we, Jets fans could look back on him fondly the way maybe Kansas City Chiefs fans remember Joe Montana, who played his last two seasons with the Chiefs. But Joe Montana is in the Hall of Fame. Even with his success at Kansas City, Joe Montana is in the Hall of Fame for what he did with the San Francisco 49ers. And so it will be also with Rodgers. Rodgers can be great here, and we can, we can remember him fondly. 
but he's going into the Hall of Fame because of what he did with the Green Bay Packers. So which members of the current Jets team have the best chance of going into the Hall of Fame? And you, obviously you look to the stars. You look to Sauce Gardner. You look to Quinn and Williams. You look to Brees Hall, maybe even Garrett Wilson. Maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe there's a rookie who steps up this year, Will McDonald, somebody like that. So there are a number of different options. I, I look at Sauce Gardner, though. If you had to, if you asked me today who it would be, my guess would be Sauce Gardner. And I've, I'm very cautious. If you're new to the show, I'm very cautious about early proclamations based on the limited sample size. But when I look at what Sauce Gardner did last year, man, that was special. To win the defensive player, to win the defensive rookie of the year as a corner, you either need to post like unbelievable interception stats. Because again, going back to what I said in the first segment, people should not focus on stats as much as they, as they do, but it really impacts people. If you don't post, post big stats, you have to be like so good that word spreads really quickly. And it has with Sauce Gardner. Like people around the league know how good Sauce Gardner is. I, I'm not sure I've ever seen anything like it. A rookie corner steps in, doesn't necessarily post the biggest interception total, but people still realize how amazing he is, how, how well he shuts down other teams' top receivers. And I've never said I've – said, I've said this about Sauce a couple of times. I've done a couple of interviews over the last couple of weeks. I've said it there. I'll say it here now on, on this show. Unless something unexpected happens, unless like he suffers injuries or like something from off the radar come, comes into play here, I really do think Sauce Gardner's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. I don't think I've ever said that about a New York Jets player after one season before. Because usually I say you got to wait at least two seasons because after your first season, the league, you know, they kind of get film on you and they kind of say, okay, well, this is, they, they spend the summer looking at you and they say, all right, this is what this guy struggles with. Now we're going to attack this. And after you, sh- after you stand up to that, that's when you, that's when you've really arrived as an NFL player. When, when the league figures out what you don't do well and goes after you and you still thrive, that's when you're, that's when you're a player in this league. But I just don't see where anybody's going to be able to get at this guy. Again, unless something, unless something like completely unexpected happens, he's already a top three corner in the league. I mean, he's already, he was one, he won the rookie of the year. And while I'm not going to say that he's necessarily going to be as great as Darrell Rivas, it is indisputable that Sauce Gardner's rookie season was better than Darrell Rivas's rookie season. Rivas did not really take off until the second season of his career. It was like the third, fourth season before people realized how great he was. You know, if you were paying attention, you realize like year two, the Jets really had something here. Sauce had happened almost immediately. So, you know, Quinton Williams, he's had one season that's put it, you know, that you would say this is a Hall of Fame season. If he continues that, if he, if last year was like his breakout season and he throws together another couple of years like that, you know, he'll be in the discussion. Garrett Wilson, if he, you know, takes his game and he doesn't have to go that far, but if he ups his game and he becomes, you know, a 14, 1500 yard receiver, after a couple of years of that, you know, maybe he'll get his name into the discussion. Brees Hall, you know, look, if he comes back and looks as good as Brees Hall did as a rookie, he'll be in the discussion. But the one player who I think is really on, on that trajectory, maybe a guy we'll be talking about one day in Canton. And you, so you could not miss the comparisons all weekend. Every time the cameras on NBC were on Sauce Gardner on the sideline Thursday night in the Hall of Fame game, they panned to Darrell Rebus. The comparisons are already there. The one, one great Jets corner of his generation kind of passing the torch to the next great Jets corner of his generation. But all eyes are on Sauce Gardner. What a phenomenal corner the Jets have drafted. And, you know, with any luck, and hopefully he stays on this path because he's going to be something special to watch. And he'll be, you know, he'll be the type of player you tell your grandkids that you saw if he, if he continues the path he was on his rookie season. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening. And 
listen, uh, if you're listening on a podcast source, give the show a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up. It helps us out, helps other Jets fans find the show. Hope you have a great Monday, everybody. Send in your mailbag questions. You get early mailbag next week, so get them in.